0: When the Lord first spoke through Hosea, the Lord said to Hosea, Go, take for yourself a wife of whoredom, and have children of whoredom, for the land commits great whoredom by forsaking the Lord. Please pray with me. Dear Father in heaven, we ask you once again to be here with us in this place this morning, and we trust that you have kept your promise and are here with us. May my words be your words and all of our thoughts your thoughts. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Please sit. So this is the 8th Sunday after Pentecost, or as commonly referred to in the church, Whoredom Sunday. (laughs) Uh, But before we talk too much about whoredom, which I promise we'll get to, um, but before we talk too much about that, I want to talk a little bit about um, illustrations. As you may well know, uh, I think that illustrations are incredibly important to a sermon. Even if you've never heard me say that, you could probably infer that by the evidence of listening to me preach, right? There's always... An illustration or two in my sermon, sometimes from a movie or a song or <clears throat> a Frasier episode. And it's not just because I like movies and songs and Frasier. I think illustrations are actually critical to help understand something. To help somebody understand something, especially something that's hard to understand. You know what I mean. You do this in your own life every day. You'll explain something and then you'll find yourself saying, Well, it's sort of like this other thing. And that's just an illustration. And this is, as I said, especially helpful when the thing you're trying to describe is difficult to understand when it's counterintuitive. This is why illustrations are so important in preaching. The preacher is trying to connect you to a counterintuitive thing, something that the world is not naturally telling you. The world, right, tells you that you're basically good and that you need to be about the business of justifying yourself. And the Bible tells you the exact opposite, that you're basically bad, but that you have a justifier from outside of you, someone who justifies you on account of Jesus Christ, not on account of you. And to preach something like that something that is so opposite of what the world preaches to you every day, we need to use illustrations. And I bring this up because this morning, God has a sermon to preach to his people. And he's going to do it through the prophet Hosea. And he's going to use a profound illustration. And the illustration that God is going to use to preach this sermon to his people through Hosea is marriage. Now, we're familiar with this illustration in the church, right? Scripture talks at length about our relationship with God being like a marriage, right? Christ is the groom and the church is his bride. But Hosea lives hundreds of years before Jesus. So the marriage illustration that God uses with him is a little bit different. Specifically, God uses a marriage typified by whoredom, infidelity, and prostitution to illustrate what his relationship with his people is like. The bride... Remember now, we're hundreds of years before Jesus. This bride is not wearing white. She's wearing a dress of a completely different color. She has not yet been washed white by the blood of the Lamb. God is using Hosea to show us one of the most profound illustrations of all. God is the husband, and we are the unfaithful what? To use the language of Scripture, God is the faithful, and we are the whore. Now, I know that's heavy. I'm only saying it because that's what the Bible says. Listen to what's going on here. Hosea is to become a prophet, right? We're reading from just the very beginning of his prophetic work, and In order to be a prophet, it's his job to communicate truths about God to the people to whom he is sent. So God is going to teach Hosea about himself so that Hosea can communicate that to the people. And to help Hosea understand how God relates to his people, to preach a sermon to his people through Hosea, God tells Hosea to get married. Now, remember, this is the very first thing that the Lord says to Hosea. Hosea 1.1, right? When the Lord first spoke through Hosea. So the Lord is just beginning to teach Hosea about himself, what he is to say to the world. And he tells him, first thing, to get married. Understanding marriage, says God, will help a lot in understanding my relationship to my people. But of course... Not just any marriage. No, sir. In order to properly illustrate what it's like for God, a holy God, to be in relationship with sinful human beings like you and me, God tells Hosea to marry an adulteress. Go, he says, take for yourself a wife of whoredom and have children of whoredom. For the land commits great whoredom. By forsaking the Lord. So understand this. A good marriage. Does not give an accurate picture. Of what it's like for a holy God. To relate to you and me. To get an accurate picture. Of what it's like to be in a relationship with us. You have to be talking about a terrible marriage. The worst marriage. And before we talk. Specifically about the reading that we have this morning from Hosea 1 and the incredible names of his children, I want to give you just a quick overview of Hosea's story to put this reading into context. I told my children that I was going to be telling the story of Hosea this morning, and they should see if they could, after the service, tell me the story of Hosea. And they were like, yeah, we'll probably be coloring. Um, <laughs> but it is important for us to understand Hosea's story, to understand the reading that we have before us this morning. So God tells Hosea to marry Gomer, this woman of whoredom, an adulterous woman who will betray and be unfaithful to him. Hosea is told this going in. This is an unfaithful woman. And they have these three children, Jezreel, Lo-Ruhamah, and Lo-Ami. And then, as predicted, Comer leaves Hosea, moves in with other lovers, and eventually becomes a prostitute. Now, Tim Keller, the great preacher from Redeemer Church in New York City, explained the Hosea story in this way. This is a quote. He says, God says to Hosea, When your wife goes and puts herself in the arms of other lovers, that's exactly what happens when I love my people, when I love human beings. And they put other things before me and go worship other gods before me. So the Lord is illustrating his relationship with sinful people by having Hosea marry this woman who will throw herself into the arms of other lovers. But Hosea is not done with Gomer yet, and God is not through with us. If we read forward a little bit in chapter 3, God tells Hosea to go back to Gomer, this woman who has abandoned him, gone with other lovers, and then sold herself into prostitution. When Hosea eventually finds her, he finds her for sale as a prostitute in the marketplace. And this is the image of what God's relationship with human beings is like. So when God wants to preach a sermon about his relationship with his people, this is the illustration he uses. Not a king relating to his subjects. Not a father relating to children, not a shepherd relating to sheep, although he uses those elsewhere here. He says the best way to illustrate what it's like for me, a holy God, to be in relationship with you sinful people is the illustration of a long suffering, faithful spouse whose beloved partner consistently and deliberately puts herself into the arms of other lovers. Is that how you thought you'd be described when you came to church this morning? The cheating spouse, the unfaithful lover, a whore. Now listen, every time, every time we put something in our lives before God, we are running off to other lovers. Every time we think of ourselves as in control, every time we think of ourselves as the arbiters of right and wrong, every time we wrap ourselves in the comforting blanket of our own good deeds or our own progressive ideas, every time we put ourselves over scripture instead of under it, every time we forget how desperately we need saving, we are running off to other lovers. And unlike God, who is faithful, This infidelity typifies our lives. We will offer ourselves to anyone and anything that will tell us what we want to hear. And it's the life, to use the biblical word again, it's the life of a whore. But thank God, it's not the end of our story. So what does God ultimately tell Hosea to do? Remember, this is a sermon that God is preaching to his people through Hosea's life. So Hosea's actions here toward his unfaithful wife are meant to illustrate God's actions toward us, his unfaithful people. And this is the good news. Hosea goes and finds the woman who abandoned him He seeks her out no matter how low she has fallen. Remember, he finds her for sale as a prostitute in the marketplace. And he buys her back. This is the depth of the faithfulness of our God. Hosea goes back to Gomer at her lowest point and he buys her back. He purchases the unfaithful one back. So it's not just that God is faithful and we are unfaithful. The news is even better than that. God is faithful when we are unfaithful, while we are unfaithful. And even though that's great news, God's sermon is not yet over. He has another illustration for us. And now he's going to use the names of Hosea's children to preach to us, this first child, a son, is named Jezreel. Now that's weird, but pronounceable. They have a second child, a daughter, and God tells them to name her Lo Ruhamah, which means no pity or no mercy. This is a tough name, but it's given to make a point because, says God, I will no longer have pity on the house of Israel or forgive them. They are unfaithful. I will not have pity. But then God takes it even a step further. Gomer and Hosea have a third child, another son. And then we have what might really be one of the most terrible verses in all of Scripture. Hosea 1 and verse 9. Then the Lord said, name him Lo-Ami, for you are not my people, and I am not your God. Lo-Ami means not my people. You are not my people. And I am not your God. We are at the bottom here. This is the situation Hosea has been told to marry this woman who will be unfaithful to him. Because Israel, God's chosen people, have been acting like a whore and running after other gods. So as an illustration... As part of this sermon, Hosea must marry a woman who will run after other men. And then he's given these kids and told to name one of them no mercy because God will have no mercy on his people. He's told to name another one not my people because according to God, Israel in their unfaithfulness is not his people and he will not be their God. This is about as low as things can get no mercy and not my people but remember we're just in chapter one God is not finished with Hosea yet and he's not finished with us his unfaithful people let's hear now the good news in all its fullness preached again through Hosea's life to God's unfaithful people this is Hosea chapter 2 In that day, God says, I will answer. I will answer the heavens and they shall answer the earth. And the earth shall answer the grain, the wine, and the oil. They shall answer Jezreel and I will sow her for myself in the land. Here it comes, listen up. And I will have mercy on no mercy. And I will say to not my people, you are my people. And he shall say, you are my God. I will have mercy on no mercy. And I will say to not my people, you are my people. And he shall say, you are my God. This is the God we worship. This is the God who is faithful while we are unfaithful. This is the God who has mercy on those who don't deserve mercy and who claims as his own people those who are running away from him. In Romans chapter 5, St. Paul says that while we were enemies of God, we were reconciled to him by the death of his son. This is the God we worship. This is the God who is best illustrated by a faithful husband rescuing at great cost his unfaithful wife. Out of prostitution, out of whoredom, This God who sent his perfectly righteous son to pay with his life for the sins of the world. And not just the sins of the world. Your sins. And mine. You are the faithless one being rescued. Bought. Purchased. So am I. This is the God who under the law and by all rights could give us the names no mercy and not my people but who instead calls us beloved in Christ a new creation in him we've come here this morning from the auction block having offered ourselves for sale to anyone and anything that can make us feel good We come here this morning feeling that no mercy and not my people might be pretty appropriate names for us, considering how we've lived the last week. But we come here this morning to find not just a king, not just a father, not just a shepherd, but a loving bridegroom, a husband ready to buy us back. In fact, who has bought us back, ready to give his life for the dead and to welcome us home. This work is done. We are his bride, now dressed in spotless white, washed in the blood of the Lamb. You and I, who were and often still are so faithless, are purchased, bought back, By the blood of a faithful God and are recipients of this faithful promise uttered so many years ago. I will have mercy on no mercy. And I will say to not my people, you are my people. I will say to sinners, you are saved. And today, you are. Amen.